Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of The Big Juggle. Today, I'm talking to broadcaster and beauty expert Nicola Bon. You might recognise her from her shows on Smooth Radio and Magic, or from her brilliant beauty podcast, Outspoken Beauty. She's also mum to six-year-old Poppy and four-year-old Louie, and we talk about how she made the move from radio broadcasting, a job which had hours that most people would think were perfect for juggling work with childcare, for a more precarious, but she says, more flexible and fulfilling freelance life. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, this is, so just a bit of background as to what this is. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So um, obviously I interviewed you and um, I kind of started to notice a trend in the interviews that I was doing. Um, they all seem to be with kind of high powered, ambitious business women and more often than not, these women also had families. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting thing to look at. You know, is there um, like an intersection between being a successful businesswoman and a successful mother? And what can you learn from, you know, both to kind of make you better? Um, and so I thought I'd do a podcast. I know everyone's doing a podcast. And then lockdown hit um, and everyone and their dog started doing a podcast. Um, so <laughs> I kind of feel like it. It feels like I'm jumping on a bandwagon, but no. I was planning on doing it earlier. But unfortunately for me, lockdown has slowed me down <laughs> um, <laughs> rather than giving me the opportunity to do the podcast. Um, so anyway, so here we are. I think it's a great idea. It's a really good idea. And I suppose, I mean, I was going to start in, with some different questions, but as we're kind of talking about lockdown, mm. how have you been finding lockdown? Very hard. Very, very hard. Um, Lockdown has been challenging in so many ways. It's been challenging because I've had the kids to think about and their education, especially my daughters, to sort out. Trying to keep my business running and I've lost work because of lockdown. Um, Anxieties. um, Oh, it's been, I mean, I just think it's been, I mean, there's been some good and that has been having quality time with with the kids and I think that's something like my son starts school in September and I feel like I've been given these extra months with him because he normally would go to nursery but it's been very challenging I think for everyone though I think it's been challenging in different ways for everyone um I read I read an article and the headline was um in COVID-19 you can either have a job or you can have kids you can't have both yeah um and I think that has really seem to resonate with a lot of the especially the working mothers that I know um because the the onus has really fallen on the mothers in a very 1950s kind of throwback style um to carry the load of of the childcare and of the homeschooling um even if you've got a very good supportive partner or whatever it's almost like society saying well you're at home now it doesn't matter that you might also have a job to do. Um, you've got to do the childcare. Yeah, I think I'm. I my husband and I have a very, very equal divide with everything, and I feel very, very lucky. I know a lot of my friends have experienced that though that they feel they take they've taken on some antiquated role, nineteen um, fifties role. But I, I'm I am very very lucky I mean we call my husband the mummy daddy because he is he's just as much of a traditional mum as I'll ever be <laughs> so 
Mm, but it's hard. Yeah, women women have been forced. You know, a lot of women, um, just, obviously I, I do a lot of work within the beauty industry. A lot of women's jobs have just gone by the wayside and therefore, you know, that's been taken away from them and they've, they've taken on a more traditional role in the household, which is really hard. You, you're very 50-50 with your husband. Mm. Um, has it changed at all um, since we've been in lockdown? The maybe just the way you've divided things up or has he been working in the home or has he been going out to the office still you know how has that been working we've all been at home we've all been at home we've, right. we've all been sharing um it's been a kind of chaotic mess but somehow we get through um yeah, yeah. We've, we've all been we've both my husband and I've been experiencing lockdown and I think in quite a similar way and the challenges the only difference being that my kind of business what I do is all on me because I'm a freelancer as he has a paid regular paid job um so that that's been the only difference really and that's been interesting because for me you know a, a lot of work is me working to get work whereas for him he's got the work to do so that's been a bit of a question of who does what and whose work maybe is more important at the moment which is a hard thing to answer really yeah I suppose it's an important in inverted commas isn't it because mm. they're both important just maybe in different ways and I suppose the priorities shift they've you know they've shifted slightly during lockdown for a lot of people um so have you been busy have you been working solidly or you said you've lost out on some work so has your time freed up a bit more well I I love my work so but what's happened with me is that I am I had a really nice little contract I was working a day a week um consulting with a company on beauty that's gone for the moment but what it has done is and what I've really enjoyed is I've really really been working on my podcast and on my content and on writing so I started doing a column in lockdown and yeah I've I've really put like I've I've started new quite really good things with the podcast so I've had time to focus on the things I love funnily enough which normally I have to balance with all the other getting the money in work so it's been a really creative experience for me but it hasn't been a as much of a money-making experience to be honest right so you said that you you've started to focus more on your podcast so I suppose we're kind of going backwards and forwards a little bit here but um do you still you started out as a radio presenter for Smooth Radio. So I was Is that correct? Yeah, I was a radio presenter for 15 years. I did Smooth and Classic FM and Magic and Heart. I did them all. And um and then I I gave up my radio show, which was an early breakfast on Smooth when I had my second child because for many reasons it wasn't fulfilling me. I was exhausted and I've been doing beauty writing and and started a podcast on the side and I then focus that into my actual career what made you decide to take that step from taking the podcast and something you were doing on the side to kind of becoming the the forefront of your career I'd, I mean when I said so when I gave up the radio show it I knew it wouldn't kind of earn me enough money to be at the forefront so I had lots of different ideas of ways I'd earn money and um so I was you know consulting as I said and doing events and doing just bits and bobs and building up and slowly slowly and I'm not there yet but the podcast has been earning me more and more money to the point where there's no way it's sustainable on its own but it's it's getting there in some ways so it's kind of you you do what you balance it out until you get to a point where you are sustainably doing the career you absolutely want and for me 
doing the podcast as my career is an absolute dream. I treat it like a radio show. I put my absolute heart and soul into it. And it's, you know, to be paid for that is phenomenal. How how has it been, I suppose, going from not certainly not a nine to five job, but a more kind of consistent chunk of time um, when you were a radio presenter to this kind of peripatetic, as you say, a bit of consulting, a bit of writing, a bit of podcasting. How has that move gone alongside, you know, having and raising your children? It's been wonderful. I love the flexibility. I love the fact that I'm I'm in charge of my own hours. I'm in charge of when I'm home for the kids. And, you know, there are times obviously when I'm not and my husband will take over or, or family will help. But, but it gives you the freedom. I, you know, my radio show was two hours a morning. That was all it was. And on paper, as a mother, that's the perfect job. But actually, the hours were crazy. I was always tired. I had to sleep in the day and I wasn't creatively fulfilled. And I don't think I was a great mother because of that. But the minute I've become more fulfilled with my job, I feel I'm happier and I'm a better mother and I'm just a better person. So it's been being flexible has been wonderful for me. Absolutely. I'm I'm in charge of my destiny and my family's destiny now. Have your children or your family, have they kind of expressed or noticed this kind of change in you since you've kind of followed your creative um, destiny rather than kind of sticking to the, the, I suppose, the more traditional career path? Even though it wasn't a traditional job, but yes, yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, physically I'm more energetic. I don't feel exhausted and jet lagged the whole time, but actually mentally I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm fulfilled. It's, um, and I think for women in particular, when you, you know, not, I suppose not as many women do it now, but when you dampen down your spirit, especially as a mother and, and, I cannot tell you how much I respect my fellow mothers who do that because there are some women who they want to be at home with their children. That is that is what gives them their spark and they are fulfilling that. But there are some women who make themselves give up their career because they feel they should and they're not fulfilling themselves. And that shows as well. And I feel for those women so much. Yeah, I suppose going back to lockdown, I think um, being being stuck in the home has made a lot of career women I suppose, see the other side, like the sliding doors of what life would have been like if they'd been a stay-at-home mum. Yes. I think it's confirmed for many people that that is definitely not the route that they were supposed to go down. No, and the, and we all know there's a, there's an amount of guilt attached to that feeling. Like, why why don't I want to be at home the whole time? Why don't I want to be with my kids the whole time? But it's not right for some women, and it's so difficult. My God, it's difficult. And I, you know, I don't even need to say I love my children. We all love our children, but it is it's tough and it's emotional, and there's guilt. And you and I feel like whereas in career I've always felt like such a high achiever when I'm with the kids I feel am I doing enough why can't why can't I get my daughter to write that that story she's meant to do for school why is why is she frustrated with me and it and it makes me feel like a failure sometimes and um, that that's come up more now because I've had so much time with them and um yeah. it's hard being a mum it is so hard being a mum yes definitely the hardest the hardest job I think it is and you um, never, and there's no one there kind of holding your hand and telling you oh well done that was really great what you did today with your with your children so I imagine if I if I was a, a mother who stayed at home that would be hard because I love praise and I love feedback there's no feedback <laughs> where's the no. feedback 
Well, there's some negative feedback, you know, when they're having a tantrum or, you know, you get the negative feedback, but you don't get the, the um, oh, yeah, I really appreciate what you did. I noticed the effort you put into planning yeah. that thing. Actually, that's, you know, that's right. I think when as a mother, you do get a lot of negative feedback. People very rarely stop you and say, do you know, well done. You've really done a good job. You've you've done great today. And that's hard, I think, for a lot of women. Yeah, definitely. Your podcast is about beauty and beauty is kind of your your passion um, and it's almost become your specialist subject. Um, so I suppose I have kind of a two part of a question here. Number one, I mean, do you have do you actually have time for beauty um, mm-hmm. at the moment? You've got, you know, two young children, two school aged children. Um, but then on the other side of it, um, have you noticed that you've become more of a specialist in the subject, but just from kind of incidentally or accidentally picking up the information from your podcast and kind of the other the other bits you've been doing as part of your career? Well, funnily enough, um, so the podcast is called Outspoken Beauty. And yes, you know, I do talk to a lot of people in the industry and I've learned a hell of a lot about skin and about makeup. But actually, it's... Um, it's, it's become a lot deeper than that. And what I say now is I use beauty as a lens to actually explore a lot of um, a lot of topics. And so I've just launched actually a new podcast as well as my normal offering called The Outspoken, where my listeners take charge. And because of the whole thing with Black Lives Matter, um, it, I decided that because I've got so many listeners now, I wanted to give other people a platform. So, so far, I've done one episode of this and we talked uh, we talked about pubic hair, actually, the politics of pubes. <laughs> um, we've got um, mental health coming up. We've got positive um body we've got it's it's issues that that women want ageism women want to talk about and it's giving them a platform but also the same goes for the main podcast we use beauty as a starting point but my goodness we've explored so many topics so many deep topics through beauty so yes beauty is a big thing but actually it's where it leads beauty is a great opener for conversations funnily enough you kind of start with a lipstick and you never know where it's going to end. Um, but on the subject of my own beauty, no, I oh, I haven't worn makeup a lot during lockdown, put it that way. I've looked after my skin. Skin's always a big thing for me. So I, I like, I really enjoy taking care of my skin. So in the evenings when the kids are in bed, that's my moment. That's my ritual. And that really makes me feel good. Um, but no, my makeup gone out the window, body moisturizing, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> So you weren't one of those people that um, as soon as the date was released, 4th of July, you could get your um, your beauty treatments in. You weren't right there you know, on the phone, on the internet, booking your appointment in. Do you know? No. I, so my hair's been all right. I'm happy. I haven't got greys and my hair actually hasn't grown that much, weirdly. Um, I would love a manicure, basically. So my husband is a type 1 diabetic and I'm quite neurotic. So at the moment, I'm still feeling a bit nervous, to be honest. Like, and, and I really, really want to support the beauty industry. And there is so much, like I've spoken to people, the safety measures. I mean, have you had your hair cut? No, I haven't had anything done. Um, I actually, no. I got my hair cut just before lockdown. So I feel like it was like the perfect timing because, you know, I'm not going to be due for a while. Um but no, so far I haven't, I haven't got anything done. I haven't, I don't know. I haven't massively, I, I love painting my nails, but I like doing that. I like the ritual of it. I like yeah. the fact that when they're wet, 
I cannot do anything. So it's like my me time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't missed kind of a pedicure or a manicure because, I mean, I haven't been painting my nails because what's the point? But if I wanted to, um, I could. Yeah, I think that's right. And I actually, because my nails are awful, but they actually grew in lockdown. I must say that there's been this element of doing things for oneself. And I feel like, so I wear perfume um, in lockdown because it makes me feel good. You know, normally you go out and you put on your perfume, but that's been a big thing for me. And actually, so that, that, because I know you just said, you know, you haven't been painting your nails because what's the point? But I kind of like the idea that a lot of people have started doing things because it's just for them rather yeah. than other people. I think that's quite empowering. Um, but no, so yeah, going back to the the hairdressers, yeah, I'm, a, I'm even though I know the lengths, my God, the lengths these places have gone to for safety, I'm still erring on the side of caution, to be honest, just for the moment, just because of my husband. I think that's, that's fair. And everyone's kind of coming out um, of lockdown in their own ways, aren't they? Yeah. And it's, I think it's really interesting seeing how different people are acting. You know, some people are just could not wait to get out. Some people are really scared though, really scared. It's, mm. it's it, the mess, the messaging has been very mixed. I feel like one minute we're being told don't come out the next minute, come out. <laughs> it's felt like yeah. that a bit. Yeah. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Mm. Oh yes, exactly. I mean, oh my gosh, that Boris speech was quite hilarious. wasn't It, it was <laughs> so funny. I wonder if you're going to notice masks becoming um kind of a topic or you know everyone's saying oh you know eye makeup is going to become a massive thing because you can't see the rest of your face with the masks and I do feel like the masks are going to be around for a fair while um so it's going to be interesting to see from a beauty point of view I suppose kind of how masks get worked into people's daily beauty routines yeah, I mean, I must say from a personal point of view, having watched The Handmaid's Tale, I feel there's like a dystopian, horrific thing about wearing a mask. I, I just don't like it. It's covering up your mouth and your expressions. But obviously there is no choice. It's really important. And so, yeah, there are two levels from a beauty perspective. So it's all about the eyes. I mean, the beauty industry. So it's, a, you know, it's an opportunity, isn't it? You know, go for the eyelashes and and really, really work up your eyes. But also people are having skin problems. Um, um, especially because it's the summer now yeah. and the skin can get oily and it can get sensitized. So I think skincare as well. And um, a lot of brands are going to have to really talk up the products that can help protect the face and stop it reacting to wearing masks. Cause it's not, it's not very nice when it's sweaty. It's not good for your skin. Um, so yes, yeah, so there are little elements, but I love, I mean, I love, I love wearing eye makeup. I, I think it can look quite beautiful if the focus is just on the eyes that can be beautiful. And do you have kind of two looks? Do you have a work look and a home look? God, yeah. Home look at the moment is literally barefaced. Um, always, always SPF. And there's one I use that's got a bit of a tint to it. And um, when, you know, today, for example, I've been feeling a bit down, if I'm honest, just about everything. I think all of us have had that to some extent. So I put on my makeup and I felt amazing. Um, but work, yeah, I, I go for it. And I love it. I love it when I go to work. Like where I always have a, I'm a feline flick on my eye big, big lashes with lots of mascara, love a glow. I love it. And I really enjoy getting made up for work. It's part, It's fun. I think it's great fun. Do you think that's something that your children notice or recognize? So if they were asked to describe you, would they describe you as, you know, mummy has black eyeliner or she has a, 
I don't know if, if they're up on the lingo, if they just des- describe it as a cat eye flick or whatever, but do you think, <laughs> do you think they're aware of this or is this just kind of you? I'm very, very open with my kids and I'm very aware of doing things that might affect them negatively, probably too aware. So with makeup, they're very aware when I when I wear it, they come in and we have fun and they're like, oh, mummy's mummy's having fun with her face. Like it's art. And I let my kids play around with it as well. But they I think they know the difference between work mummy and home mummy. And I only say that because when I work, I wear um, a certain perfume that I find very inspiring called Portrait of a Lady. And um, I, I realized I thought I wore it more, but I, I do tend to wear it to work. And over lockdown, I put it on and my son said, oh, mummy, you smell of work, mm. um, which, which I thought was fascinating, that difference. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like I am two different people sometimes. I am work mummy and and home mummy. Um, and the fact that they see that with my with my look and my scent, I think that's very, very interesting, actually. And do you think having that differentiation is a positive thing? Uh, is it something that um, you said you weren't necessarily aware of it, but do you think it's something that we should strive for, you know, being very obviously kind of work mummy and home mummy? I think um, what we should, and you know, who am I to say, but the way I play it is because I love my work and because my work excites me, I I build up that excitement for my children. So, for example, I, I let my children record their own mini radio shows on my microphone setup and they've, they've come to work. They've been in the studio. They know that for me, work is a passion and they know that I love doing my makeup. So I think that it's it's a reason for celebration, actually. You know, when I when I get dressed up, when I'm happy, when I'm excited and equally when I'm at home and I don't bother, it's I think it's it's positive in our lives. I think it's positive. I don't think you should ever hide things or or lie to your children, not directly, but by pretending to be something you're not. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think I think that makes sense. Um, and obviously, you said that you let your children come and play with you, um, mm. play with your makeup and wear your makeup. Um, so I suppose that kind of you're giving them the tools that they that they need to express themselves with or without makeup um yeah yeah and I think that you know it's very you know it doesn't it's the boy my boy Louie and my girl Poppy we all play with it together and if if asked you know mummy doesn't wear makeup because mummy feels she doesn't look pretty without it mummy wears makeup because mummy loves it and it's fun and it's arty Mm -hmm. and it's creative and that is how I feel about makeup so it's all very I I make sure it's very healthy I don't what my biggest fear is to to give my own children the the issues I see so many children have is um I suppose the positivity behind makeup and the positive messages that it should be sending is that something that you are interested in in the course of your work like do you do you dwell on it at all or is it just you know you've it's my biggest biggest thing at the moment I am I I want the light so the the beauty industry is such a force for good in so many ways and I love it but my god they get it wrong sometimes and we we all know that if if beauty and makeup feel a woman make a woman feel lacking in confidence, afraid of getting older, make her feel that if she doesn't wear this, she won't be accepted, then it is all wrong. The language of beauty needs to be positive and joyful and there to make you feel better, not to feel worse. And I I will do everything in my power 
to help brands on that journey to make sure they're using the correct language. And it is a journey. And some brands are getting there, some brands aren't. And that's part of what I do. I, I help advise brands as well as doing the podcast. Um, it's so important. You know, I was talking to someone today about ageism in beauty and the language of, of anti-wrinkle, anti-aging, anti-this. But it just doesn't make sense to me. Why are we scared of that stuff? Mm. Um, so, so beauty, it can be so positive and such a force for good. And it opens up so many conversations and there's so much good going on at the moment. But it can also be something that makes women feel less than they are and um in terms of your consulting work you know you said that a lot of brands are getting the messages right or they're getting the messages better um yeah are there any you know if you were um according to consult with a brand and they just weren't going down that route or weren't picking up on that with you would you you know are there brands that you wouldn't work with or that you would stop working with or is it more a case if you kind of want to work from the inside out? So you'd want to get in with them to try and re-educate them almost. Um, I've, so I've worked, I've had brands come to me to work on the podcast. So to partner up on an episode and I've said no, because I don't, don't um, agree with the brand's ethos hundred percent. And that's one of my biggest things is that I, if I'm recommending a brand, if I'm talking about a brand, I have to believe in it. Absolutely have to. I will not accept money if I don't. Now, if a brand came to me because they needed help, um, then that's a different matter. But obviously if, if they didn't listen to me, well, they don't have to listen to me, but if they weren't going in a direction that I could ethically support, then I, I wouldn't stay. No um they yeah there are certain things and if, if a brand is is misleading or um not being I don't know I think brands need to be honest and if I feel a brand is hiding something and I I've been in that scenario um where I was working with a brand that I didn't agree with the way they were they were selling themselves there was there was an element I thought of mistruth and I left I left that job right um yeah I I really take this seriously it's not you know and I and I need to earn money, of course, I'd like the next person, but my reputation and my morals wouldn't let me do something that I didn't believe in, especially when I know so many people spend so much money on beauty, often that they don't have. Yeah. I suppose, again, coming back to lockdown, probably especially now, you know, they always say that sales of lipstick go up um, in times of crisis and um, financial crisis and so on. So, yeah, the, the beauty industry is it's becoming a real force at the moment um yeah and it, and it really you know it can be such a force for good because when you there's no denying that when you buy that lipstick and this happens for me I'll buy a lipstick and I put it on and I feel brilliant I don't know what it is but it just makes me feel good and that's kind of my rule if it makes me feel happy and good then win-win I, I will spend my money on it but if it doesn't then there's no point if it hurts my face because I want to look younger that's not positive to me so you know with your consulting your podcast your new podcast your column um you're doing a lot of juggling uh, does it does it feel like juggling and I suppose juggling is a word that we only really use when we're talking about women working women uh, we don't use it when we when we talk about men um, and their careers and their children um but we're, we're kind of you've got so many things going on um does it feel like this is a juggle mm -hmm. um 
Funnily enough, no. I think because I I love my job so much and that, so that kind of feels – it's hard work, but it feels quite effortless in a way because I just love it. And then I'm happy. So I'm happier than I used to be when I'm spending time with the kids. So it's hard. And I think the only time I really feel the juggle is when I want to be giving all of myself to the kids, but the emails are coming in and you know that if you don't reply that second, you may lose that job or whatever. That's the juggle. And I need to really work on that, that when I am with my children, I need to bloody put my mobile away because that that's going to get in the way of them. So I think the, the rule is really you need to give your all to everything you're doing when you're doing it. Um, but juggle wise, I've got a, a supportive husband. It's hard at the moment because the kids are at home a lot more than they normally would be. But it's it's OK. It's OK. And do you have dedicated phone times, you know, work times, phone times when you're available to answer emails? But then I don't know, over, you know, between five and seven, which is, you know, bed and bath, mm. turn your phone off. Or is that something that you're working on? My my phone's never off, but you know, bath time is bath time, bedtime is bedtime. So I, I won't, you know, my phone is on silent at those times. But um, I think it would be really healthy actually to just turn the phone off because there's always that that temptation. Oh God, has something come in? Have I heard from so and so? And I think that mentally, even if my phone's not in my hand, I might be thinking about what's coming yeah. in. So I think I really need to work on that. I need to work on that. Absolute being with the kids is more important than receiving that email that phone has to go off um it's and it's hard it's hard but it's it's really important I and I think that you know for their future as well they need to know the rules of how to live with with that phone or whatever's coming their way as they get older and you have to set an example and I'm not doing that well at the moment <laughs> obviously the, the premise of this podcast is to look into whether success in business and success in parenting are linked in any way and are there any lessons that can be learned at home um, that can be put in practice in the office and vice versa. So I suppose that that is one of them. Is there anything else that you think you've taken from kind of having all these different plates in the air, all these different things that you're juggling um, that you think has actually made you a better parent or I suppose vice versa, you know, it's juggling two children of different ages um, and so on helped you, manage your workload in any way sometimes for me when I'm busier I perform better so I you know I quite like that and it makes me do more in the time I have so that's quite good but um has I mean has my work made me a better mother I've you know I've already talked about the fact that I personally feel fulfilled and I feel happier and that's that's definitely affected my relationship with my husband and my children in a much better way um but I feel that I, I need to be more present in my children's lives. I need to, when I am with them, I need to be more present, like I was just saying. So I think that one of the biggest challenges of, of juggling a career, especially my career where it's, I'm my boss, you know, there's, there's no feeling of, all right, you finish work for the day, pack up now, and then you can really focus on being present. So it's, it's making that happen for myself. And I think that would make me a better mother for sure. Um, and that's something I, I need to work on definitely. But I feel like when I'm energized and when I'm happy, I bring that to the children and, and we have a lot of fun and a lot of laughter and we're all very creative together. So in that way, my career, I think, helps me, I, I don't know, bring bring joy to their lives, hopefully. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. 
Um, what you do is, you know, is very creative. Do you see that kind of creative spark in, in your children? Do you think they'll, I don't know, follow you down this creative route? That I mean, I I think because I I love being creative. I love creative people. I think I hope they will be, mm-hmm. and um, they're incredibly imaginative. And they, they, I sing as well, and I love music. And I can see them. I'm kind of hoping they go down that route without being a pushy mum. But yeah, I I think they are. They are creative, and they you know they're in a household with creative people. But my biggest thing for the kids is whatever they want to do, whoever they are, I want to 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 cherish and nourish that that's you know I do not want to set them goals in my own vision I want them to be who they are and I really try and tell them that like my son is three and he wants to be a bus driver if he wants to be a bus driver when he's you know 20 that's fine as long as he's happy because that's what I am now I'm happy in my job that's all I want for them in their lives happiness it's more important than anything there's no point in being stuck in a job where you are unhappy so they need to be empowered to know they need to do what's right for them. And that's the biggest lesson for me. It's a very good lesson. And I'm sure, as you say, they have kind of noticed that um, since you've changed your your focus in your career. I actually, I just want to ask a question now that I feel like I should have asked earlier, but that's fine. Um, the beauty of editing. Um, you were working in radio when you had your children and then you decided to start the podcast um, after or while you were on maternity leave um so how how long were you on maternity leave for and how did that kind of work for you um so the first time around with my daughter I was only on maternity leave for three months but bearing in mind my job was only two hours a day so kind of um second time round, I went So six months and then I started my radio show again. And then as often happens, I think, with um, with with newish mums, you you get this kind of inspiration. You want to start something new and often it's something that you can work around your kids as well. And that was when things started flowing. I guess ideas started coming. And so it wasn't instant. It wasn't straight after having Louis that, that I came up with this idea. It was kind of not too long after. Right. And was it something that was kind of on a slow burner for a while and then you finally took the plunge or was it you know inspiration here and you you went for it I so I was in a bit of a dilemma actually I was doing really really well um doing parenting writing it was going brilliantly and I remember having a chat with a friend who's in beauty and just saying oh my god I can't do this parenting writing for long now because it's about the kids and I don't want to write anything else about the kids because they might be really angry when they're older and I and I chose I've never now put my kids on social media and I agreed with my husband that we'd only do it when they were babies and then stop so that was coming to an end and I remember having this chat saying, oh, gosh, should I focus on beauty or parenting? I don't want to do radio anymore. And my friend said, really focusing on beauty. And she actually said, why don't you do a podcast and mix your passions? And it was after that meeting that this started um, happening. And it was slow at the start. And I mixed it with my radio career. And then as it started getting bigger and bigger, that was when I felt like actually I could make a move. And um, when you started the podcast, did you do it as more of a grassroots thing where you were doing it on your own at home or because obviously you were in the radio industry you kind of know how recording works you know from a professional point of view and obviously you know people who professionally edit professionally record did you kind of use your contacts in that way and yes yeah, so I 
I recorded from um, the radio studios where I worked because I, I still kind of do stuff in the building. So, that, um, yeah, very kindly. I, I record there. Um, and my, actually, my husband is my editor because we met in radio. So he is an amazing producer. So, yeah, he, he does all that side of things, which is brilliant. So I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky. So it's a bit of a family affair then. Yeah, totally. And he is like, I'm, he's just so good at editing. I can't tell you. And I hate editing. I can do it, but I hate it, <laughs> which we're a good team. And have your children ever sat in on any of your recordings? Yes. My daughter was amazing. She just sat quietly and did some colouring. Um, and my, no, my son, no, my son hasn't. We've done pretend radio shows. My, my son is too noisy. There is no way. And also, <laughs> like, some of the things I talk about are so unsuitable it's unreal so no but my daughter was I was really proud of her actually they love it though they love it they love coming to see the radio studios and having a go it's exciting yeah I can imagine like properly uh like a massive kind of doll's house almost you just get to play yeah yeah exactly and then you get to hear your voice back which is hilarious when you're young um so yeah There are two questions that I'm asking everyone that I'm speaking to. The first question is, what's the best advice in parenting or business that you've ever been given? Hmm. I'm going to answer that now. The best advice in parenting for me, and it's quite a cliche, but it really helped me, was um, this too shall pass. Um, Because at every single moment, at every single stage when there's been a challenge with the kids, it always passes and you feel like it never will. And you feel like you're in your depths of despair but they always move on from it. And that's from not being able to sleep to whatever. So that's my biggest thing. And gosh, career, um, do you know, I don't even know. I've had so much amazing advice recently. Jane Werwind, who is the founder of Dermalogica, she she is a real advocate of of looking at your life and really analyzing if you're happy, especially within your career, and if you're not making changes. And and I said to her when I interviewed her, what if you're not in a financial position to make changes? And she said, you make small changes within your role to try and get to a place where you feel more content. That was a big thing for me, and that was that was part of my journey um, of kind of leaving radio and being where I am now. Oh, that's that's interesting um was it did you find that it was a difficult a difficult move out of radio it's difficult because radio was my dream job for a long long time and I worked so hard to get there and I got good shows I had for most people when you tell them you're a radio presenter they're like oh my god that's amazing it's a dream but when you realize that what you thought was your dream is no longer your dream that's quite emotional actually because it kind of tears apart everything you you strived for um so that was the hard part was walking away from what was supposedly my dream job but wasn't anymore um that was the hardest thing apart from that you know I'm still yeah I'm still getting to broadcast I've got my own in a way my own radio show now so I feel totally fulfilled from that point of view but I don't know it's weird I do miss it sometimes though having my own kind of big radio show is brave to step away from something not only that you were kind of um established in but as you say if it was your dream job to then know what to do next um must be very difficult 
it was hard. It was a decision that took a long time though. So it wasn't as if I was just like, right, oh my God, I'm going to do this. Ah, it was, it was calculated. So it felt less hard. By the time I got round to it, it felt less of a challenge. But yeah, it was difficult. My God, it was all I'd ever known really. So yeah, it was hard. So glad though. And I really feel that, especially, you know, I'm nearly 40. I think that everyone's got a few careers in them. And I really think that making that change can be the best thing you ever do. I really believe that. And I suppose is that advice that you'd give your children if they came to you and said, look, I'm I'm going to make a big change. I don't necessarily know what I'm going to do. Um, is, is that what you'd say? You'd say, go for it. Well, it's always it's funny, isn't it? Because I can say it for myself and then I think of my kid. I would um, it would depend what they would say. If they were in a job that I knew they did enjoy and they just decided to pack it all in for the wrong reasons, I'd be like, no. But no, if they if I knew they weren't happy. Um, in a job and they've given it a go then oh god yeah absolutely I'd you know and I'd sit down with them and I'd help them hopefully kind of find what they do want and ha- and also how to go around getting it because it's not easy you know you can have a dream but actually it, it's thinking of how to make that happen and you can I really do believe you can make anything happen but it's just it's almost having that kind of the chutzpah isn't it to make it happen it's difficult sometimes um but yeah, you've just you've you've got to, you've only got this one life. You've got to do what makes you happy. There's no doubt. Um, and then the final question that I'm asking everyone is: um, Is there a piece of kit, parenting kit, that wasn't available when you had your children, but that is available now that you wish you'd been able to get your hands on? I bet you so many women have said this to you. It's that blimmin. Um, uh, pump that you can just put in your bra oh the LV I mean what the hell why why I didn't have that it's just breaks my heart just those those days of sitting on the sofa like a dairy cow with that thing and not being able to move and like oh my god being able to like have a silent one that you put in your bra I was at work recently and I saw Mylene class and she was walking around the building with one in her bra and she told me you never would have known. How amazing is that? So yeah, that is, oh, I would have done anything for one of those. <laughs> God. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Remember to check back here for the next instalment of The Big Juggle or hit subscribe so it downloads automatically.